Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein. And Brad, this past week, some pretty big news out of the Syracuse basketball program forward, senior forward, Marek Dolajai, deciding that he would not return for a potential fifth year. Of course, he had the option to, and Barama Sidibe took it. Everybody had the option for another year of eligibility due to COVID-19. I was kind of surprised Marek didn't return. I thought he was a guy that I, I was thinking, you know, He's not going to be this NBA prospect. He wouldn't be if he returned for another year, but it seems like this is a good spot for him. He's a really good college player. It seemed to me like a perfect storm that he would return to Syracuse for a fifth year, just maybe to develop his skills a little bit, maybe just to have some more fun before he went on to a future pro career, as he said on a Twitter post. But were you at all surprised that he decided to leave? No. No and yes. A lot of people say yeah. I'm saying no and yes, and here's why, right? Because you're right, Marek Dolajai is a great college player, and he will be forever remembered as a legend at Syracuse for a lot of different reasons, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I was evaluating Marek Dolajai's case weeks before this went down, and I'm thinking, okay, there is no reason for him to come back to Syracuse. Mm -hmm. None. He's accomplished everything that he could. The team's probably not going to be immaculate next year because everyone under the sun is trying to leave. And I think he's borderline reached his potential as a player. Could he add a three-point shot? Probably. Would he at Syracuse? Definitely not because he's going to be playing the five if Barama Sidibe is in foul trouble or, God forbid, in injury trouble, right? right? So there's no way he's going to be able to spread his wings there now. No and yes. Here's the yes part. I had this weird gut he was coming back. Yeah, see, I, I, I don't know so why. It, it made no sense on paper. Uh, the gut just comes from he is a scrappy player that seems like he was born to play at SU. And even though I've been a Syracuse fan for a long time and I've been following the team for a long time, it's hard to remember a time when he was not in the thick of things in the 2-3 zone. And now we have to go back to a time without Marek Dolezal's scrappiness. Well, and he's a guy that... I think everybody kind of assumes these basketball players year after year are going to steadily develop and steadily improve. That's not always the case. That was the case with Doge. I remember his freshman season. He's this guy. He averaged just under six points. Brett, I'm actually kind of surprised that it was that much because he just never shot. I remember that season. Yeah. Jim Beheim said, yeah, we don't want him to shoot the basketball. And Doge, I said, fine with me. I'll do everything else because he really... To, to a fault at this point this past season, he didn't want to shoot the basketball. He no. didn't want to be a scorer, which was fine because Syracuse had so many other options really all throughout his time with the program. I remember freshman and sophomore year for Dolajai, there was Frank Howard, there was Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett. There was a lot of scoring there. And from the very onset of his Syracuse career, he was always this guy who did all the gritty work. Of course, everybody remembers his charge against Zion Williamson against Legendary. Duke. I mean, that's got to be his there best There needs play. to be a statue built outside the Dome or outside Mellow of Dolajai just going like this, <laughs> th- arms thralled back, and you have this refrigerator of a man in Zion Williamson towering over him, and yet Marek Dolajai is 10 feet above yeah. Zion Williamson figuratively. Love it. It, it was... I mean, when he took that charge, everybody was thinking, Jim Beheim included, 
what are you doing? Like, <laughs> nobody's stepping <laughs> in front Business decision. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah, you're right. But that's the, that's the player that Dolezal was. And also, just as such a smart player knows that that's the right basketball play. It's going to be a black and blue tomorrow. But that's the right basketball play. I'm not going to lie to you. Before we started recording this, I got concerned, right? Because okay. you pulled up the Dolajai stats, and I said, oh, Thomas, don't pigeonhole Marek Dolajai. <laughs> He's not a stats guy, okay? Right, right. The box score doesn't define him, and I'm glad that you said, oh, well, yeah, the stats are this, but I'm surprised it's that high. Yeah, yeah. because me too. Because, uh, But yet, six points per game, you will never see a player – that is worth more to a team than, I mean, astronomically more than six points per game, but you'll never see a player whose stats are less indicative of his impact. No, you're right. Thomas Schultz, Brad Klein here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. We're breaking down the news of Marek Dolezal leaving the Orange, ending his Syracuse career, and really, I think all of Syracuse fans everywhere, it's just a tip of the cap to him at this point because he did everything. Like, for him, it, it seems like, it's a little bit weird to say because we were waiting for him to develop into more of the score. He was never going to be this guy who gave you 17 points per game, but it seemed like he could be a guy who could give you 13 to 15 points, somewhere in that range. And I think he could if he had really focused on that part of his game or he really wanted to be a scorer. But he kind of did everything that Syracuse needed him to do. Did all the gritty work, like you said, Brad, where nobody else wants to do it, right? Nobody else wants to body down low against guys 40 pounds heavier. Nobody else wants to step in front of a charge of Zion Williamson or, you know, be more of a facilitator and a passer and and do all these things in the 2-3 zone, fill all these positions. He did those things, and he's going to be severely missed for the Orange. And even though he didn't score, like you said earlier, he did everything else on the floor, and Jim Beheim recognized that from the moment Dolajai stepped on campus. Yeah, and we keep on circling back to he's a scrappy player. He's a selfless player. He puts the team first. Well, let's look at Exhibit A. All right, and It's cool to look at the, the Zion clip and go back and watch that tonight or, or today, whenever you're listening to this. Go back and watch it. It's going to be fun. And, and Syracuse fans will continue to watch it for years to come. But the most Marek Dolajai thing, that Marek Dolajai ever did was play the bulk of his career at the five. Yeah. Right? In that, okay, Syracuse needs a five to anchor the 2-3 zone, and you want it to be a big guy, a long guy, a smart guy that was born to play center. Marek Dolajai was not born to play center. Far from it. He was probably born to play point guard, and then he hit a growth spurt. Yeah. Right? That's the way that, that he's played the game, and that's cool, and that's fine. But he played the five out of necessity, and especially in this day and age where players are so focused on the next level and what will be and what will be on tape, Dolajai was exposed. And at times he looked great at the five because he's a great player and he's a smart player. There were a lot of growing pains out there yeah. when Sidibe hit foul trouble, when Roberson hit the pine, I think they overlapped, and Dolajai had to play the five, right, in that he was not good as as the center to start because he was not supposed to be a center because he was 180 pounds soaking wet, and yet he stuck in there. And yet he really tried to bulk up, yeah. right? And if not, mentally, he made up for it. And that is as selfless as it gets. It is. This guy is the guy who never played over 201 pounds in a Syracuse uniform, Brad, even though he was matching up with guys 40 50 pounds heavier. I mean, when they would play teams like UNC and he's battling on the glass <laughs> against Armando Baycott, Garrison Brooks, Dayron Sharp this past season, it's just like, well, this guy's going to get torched, but you know what he's going to do? He's going to stand in there 
and he's going to battle all game long because that's what he did better than anybody else in this program. And I think something that gets overlooked, Brad, is this guy was durable, right? Like, Syracuse oh, yeah. has had issues. We can go on and on. Baram Sidibe, Pascal Chukwu during Tolajai's tenure where these are guys who a lot of times couldn't stay healthy. That wasn't an issue, which is kind of surprising considering just how scrawny Dolajai was throughout his career. And there were times, you mentioned, he wasn't able to put on weight. He definitely tried. Of course, everybody knows about the pizza. This was a guy who was eating five to six meals a day when he was trying to bulk up ahead of his junior season, and it, it just didn't happen. But look, he did everything, and we, we can go on and on about this. But I'm curious, Brad, what you're kind of thinking is the next thing for Dolajai, because I think the NBA is kind of out of the picture. I think the G League's kind of out of the picture. Picture. This seems like a player, and Syracuse fans, after four years of watching him, I'm sure feel the same way. This seems like a guy who's going to have a very successful EuroLeague career and be a very solid player for 10, 12 years and have a very good career over in Europe for a long time. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that. Uh, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say he's going to be an NBA All-Star. He's not going to be. I wouldn't be dumbfounded if he found his way to a G League team in the in the NBA G League. That that would not be the least surprise or rather most surprising thing. Uh, I will say that I think that is when if I had to draw it up and and rub my crystal ball, I say he goes to a G League team. It's pretty clear early on that he doesn't have the body, and then he you're right, he goes to have a very successful career. I will say this though, and this is so far down the road and so speculative and based on absolutely nothing. But I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. Marek Dolajai, Bayheim's Army. Book it. Ooh, that would be... See, I thought you were going to go the coaching route. I thought you were going to say he's going to be a a great coach. I don't think he's going to be a coach. I I, I could kind of see it, not necessarily in America, but I can kind of see it. I think he's going to play for Bayheim's Army for two reasons. One, we know Kevin Belby, friend of the show, right? And friend of Orange Fizz as a whole. I think he... His job, and he takes this very, very personally, is to appease the hungry appetite of Syracuse fans, right, and of Syracuse Nation. Fans want to see Brandon Trish back. They want to see John Gillen back, right? Fans are going to want to see Marek Dolajai back early, and they're going to want to see Marek Dolajai back as soon as next year. Now, I don't think he's going to play next year. I'm just saying that there will never be a shortness of calls for Marek Dolajai, and I think he's of the of the tier where, okay, if he goes to play overseas, which we both think he will, then he's going to have those summers off, and he's going to be in a position where who wouldn't want to win that jackpot? He loves Syracuse. He bleeds orange. Why wouldn't he come back? It just makes sense. That being said, more importantly, he'll have a successful pro career overseas, likely. I'm just dying to see him in orange again. Well, and Brad, before we wrap up this segment, move on to a little bit more Syracuse roster turnover, one thing I, I want to say, and I want to get your, your quick take on this, Marek Dolajai seemed to be more beloved in the fan base than Jim Beheim's own son. I don't think there was a player during Marek Dolajai's tenure that was more beloved and more of a fan favorite than him. Yeah, I, I've never seen the flag of Slovakia <laughs> until I went to a Syracuse, it was Syracuse Georgetown uh, a few years ago, and there were Slovakian flags left and right, and I was like, okay, I learned a little bit about geography and about uh, international politics today. Now yep. I know what the Slovakian flag looks like. And it turns out, looks pretty good in a sea of orange. It does. It does. Marek Dolajai wrapping up a pretty pretty solid, pretty pretty nice Syracuse career for the Orange. I thought he was going to come back for another year. Turns out he didn't. But 
as I said earlier, a tip of the cap from all Syracuse fans to Dolezal as he goes on to his next endeavor. And hey, we never know. Like Brad said, maybe he's going to be suiting up in a Bayheim's Army jersey. Oh, come on. You could see that. Yeah, I, I, I think it'll happen. Admit it. It'll happen. And when we come back, we're going to go a little bit, talk a little bit more roster turnover. Maybe not so good. Not guys graduating. Guys transferring to and from the Syracuse program. Stick with us. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score, 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on The Score, 1260, Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein. And Brad, we mentioned it before in the last segment. Syracuse, a lot of turnover coming up coming up for the upcoming season. We're going to start with the guys transferring into the program. Cole Swider, a 6'9 forward, and Symir Torrance, a 6'3 guard. Both seemingly pretty substantial gets for Syracuse. I think Swider's the guy who's going to have the bigger role. Now, look, if you look at their stats, you're not going to be that impressed. I'm just going to warn you off the bat. Uh, Torrance averaged about three points per game at Marquette last season. Swider, little under six at Villanova. So it's not like these guys are guys who are transferring in, who are giving you 14 to 15 points from their former team. Look, there's a reason they transferred, right? But I think Swider's an interesting guy because he's at six foot nine. He can play the power forward. He's already much bigger than Marek Dolajai ever was. And he's also a guy who shot 40% from three last year. We'll see what happens. But, Brad, this seems like a player that could slide right into the starting lineup depending on what Quincy Garrier decides and become, what, a third, fourth shooter that Syracuse can parlay around a Barama Sidibe at five? Yeah, it makes sense, I I guess. I, you said something I want to hone in on is that there's a reason these guys transferred, mm-hmm. right? And not that they're damaged goods, but... Maybe there's a reason that Symir Torrance didn't play more right. than, what, five minutes a game. Maybe there's a reason that Cole Swider did not get the playing time at Villanova that he wanted, and now he's leaving, right? It, it makes sense, and Cole Swider, yeah, it seems like he has the tools, he has the shot, and he has the length to contribute for Syracuse. At the same time, I'm looking at this team, and I just can't take my eyes off of the players they lost. And I know you wanted to start with Swider So you're going to go Torrance. directly to the bad? Yeah! <laughs> yeah! You yeah. know why? Because they lose a former, uh, rather a future pro in Kadari Richmond. And that's the thing, right? Is that, oh, well, yeah, they lose these players, but they get these players. No. Because the players they're getting are not future pros. Kadari Richmond, a bona fide stud, right? And then you lose a guy like Woody Newton. And the athleticism is unparalleled, right? And to say that the guy from Marquette and the guy from Villanova is going to patch those gaping holes, that's silly. It's yeah. not going to happen. I mean, you're definitely right. I think there was reports which Jim Beheim later rebuffed that he told Kadari that he promised Joe Girard the starting job. Of course, he denied that. If I'm Jim Beheim, I'm saying in the meeting to end the season, Kadari, you're the starter next year. I don't care what happens in practice. I don't care what I see. You're starting. Joe Girard's coming off the bench because that's the spot where Girard is better suited as kind of a six-man sharpshooter. If he gets hot, great. If he doesn't, all right, put him back on the bench. Kadori Richmond was a guy who is perfect for the 2-3 zone, and now he's gone off to Seton Hall. And, yeah, I mean, look, Brad, you're right. Like, we can try to ice this over by saying, well, you landed Symir Torrance, you landed Cole Swider, all well and good. You're losing so much more, and I know you're bringing in Benny Williams, and you're bringing in a very, uh, Benny Williams, a very talented small forward, a top 25 recruit in the country, but losing Kadari Richmond is a huge blow to this team, and I think Woody Newton 
would be a huge blow if they actually utilized him this past season. Yeah, and he wasn't ready, so I'm not even holding that against Jim Beheim for not using Woody Newton. I know that he's a very athletic player, and I think he would have fit in very well. He hit uh, a good amount of his very few, I think he hit, what, 8 of 17 threes this year, which is a nice little snippet of what could have been for Woody Newton at Syracuse. The only thing I will say is, and look, at Orange Fizz, we know what we're talking about. In this particular instance, we don't have an inside track. I don't have an inside scoop to offer anyone. But here's what I'll say. Seems a little weird, right? Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, you have everyone transferring. Guys that didn't even get to play last year and weren't expected to play and didn't play but look like they will play next year like Woody Newton. Kadari Richmond, you have to imagine, will have an accelerated role, and yet they leave. It has to be some – there has to be some reason. You you don't lose your entire team after a Sweet 16 run. That doesn't happen. So, to me, it it just seems odd. I can't can't get off of that just mentally. Why? What's going on? Is it the coaching staff? Is it the age of Jim Beheim? These are all questions we don't have the answers to, but you can't help but ask. Well, I think that's a good point, but I do want to bring up this. Our friend, fellow Fizz colleague, Jaron May, had an article recently about saying basically this new transfer, how it's going to be, the transfer portal becoming such a huge emphasis this year, the first, and it's going to be like this in the future, is detrimental to college basketball. And for years I was saying... Let's improve the transfer portal, you know, let guys transfer, don't let them don't make them sit out a year like it'll be better for college basketball. Now that I'm seeing it, I don't I don't know if I think that way anymore because we're seeing in look, this is a lot of guys transferring. You've got Kadari Richmond, Woody Newton, John Bullajock, and Robert Braswell. I the thing is, I think if you come to Syracuse, you realize already, all right, Jim Beheim, he's he's a pretty older coach. He could retire while I'm there even though he keeps going. We never know when he's going to retire. But I think you know that coming in. The thing is, none of these guys were guys who were going to start next season. I think Kadari should have. I don't think he would have. Robert Braswell, maybe. I'm, I was a little bit surprised by that, considering how large of a role he had last year. But again, I'm maybe... actually looking at a guy like Woody Newton that had a better chance of starting over Robert Braswell. And that oh, seems really? crazy, just based on the fact that he basically redshirted this year. But I think that's how high his potential was. I really do. Yeah, I, I mean... I think he has the highest potential of all the small forwards on the roster. I thought Alan Griffin was a guy who was probably going to transfer. I can't believe he's not in the portal right right now. (laughs) I mean, I think he just looked around and said, well, hey, no more Robert Braswell, no Woody Newton. Like, might as well stick around because I think at this point, like, he already did it. He knows he came here to be the star. It didn't work out. It's probably not going to work out in another place either, right? So, considering who left, I'm not as surprised that Griffin stayed, stayed, but... At the beginning, I thought he was for sure gone. Yeah, I, 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 me too. And there are so many different layers to this transfer story and ongoing story for Syracuse basketball right now. I will circle back to this. I completely agree with you that uh, it's not good for college basketball. Yeah. And, and for multiple reasons. With the one-and-done rule, which I'm pro one-and-done, by the way, players like Bonafide Studs, Cade Cunningham has no business in college basketball next year. Hardly have any business in college basketball this year. Zion Williamson, you think back to his year. They have to go pro. They have to. But because of the one-and-done rule, it's already hard enough for fan bases to latch on to a player. Like we just talked about Marek Dolajai. Mm-hmm. That's so rare. And that's one of the reasons that Dolajai is so special. Yeah. I, but I mean- 
with the transfer rules, it's even that much more difficult. It is. I do think I've been I've been a big proponent of the uh, NCAA college basketball adopting somewhat of the baseball how they do it, where you can go pro after high school, or you can stick around but you I'm have to stay you. for three years. I'm with you. So that would be something that I would think is pretty interesting. But going back to this transfer thing, I, there's John Bull like. That one makes sense. It's okay. You're not you're not <laughs> playing. He Bayheim gave him a shot. He gave him an opportunity and then Jesse Edwards. Did he really managed. though? I did he really uh, to there me was a couple games there. It's, but it's okay. I, I say he did not give him a shot, but that's okay. Right? right. To me, the the thing that dumbfounded me was that John Bolajak was was in the program for two years mm-hmm. and yet he still wasn't ready. Right. Every time he was Ed Beheim was asked about John Bull was, hey, is he is he going to play more? Why isn't he playing? And the answer was unequivocally because he's not ready, because right. he's not physically capable of playing the five. After taking a redshirt year, I think I said this on Fizz Radio earlier, it's unacceptable, right? So I actually think it was the best thing for Syracuse that John Bolajak wow. left. I think it might have even been the best thing. It definitely was the best thing for John Bolajak. It wasn't playing, right? Time for him to go to a, a smaller school, a lesser program where he can play. Maybe he blossoms with more playing time. But I think Bayheim has a point. He's too small. It makes sense. That being said, there are so many guys that have entered the transfer portal, and every case is an individual thing. And we don't know why exactly they transferred. Maybe there's something behind the curtain, right? Mm-hmm. But Woody Newton, to me, makes no sense. Okay. Really? A guy like Robert Braswell makes very little sense. Yeah. And Kadari Richmond makes sense, kind of. I understand why he would have wanted to transfer, but to Seton Hall. That one was that one was confusing. I thought for sure he was the guy who was going to go to another ACC program because the ACC has said if you transfer in conference, you don't have to sit out a year yeah. anymore. I thought Louisville was an option for him. There was rumors. Florida State. Florida State. Florida State would have been a perfect pick perfect. for Richmond. They they love their long players too, even though they don't play the zone like Syracuse. They love length. Kadari Richmond at six foot five. It just made sense too. I thought for sure he was going there. Other big schools, like I heard a rumor that Kentucky was I in did, on yeah. Kadari Richmond. So who knows? Who knows exactly who called and to what degree they were interested, but they should have been interested because he is a huge talent yes. to be had. I thought Kentucky was a smart decision not to go there because there he's sharing the ball with a bunch of higher recruited guys than even him. But I thought Seton Hall, really? I mean, like, I guess he, you know, you can go be the star at Seton Hall, but Florida State, they've gotten some guys drafted recently. Louisville always has guys drafted. He's a guy who's going to be in the NBA in a couple of years. It was a little bit surprising to go to Seton Hall. But before we wrap up here, Brad, another guy, we've mentioned him a little bit, Robert Braswell. I thought coming into next season, look, he just is much better in the 2-3 zone, and we've seen Jim Beheim year after year say, all right, if you can play defense, we don't need you to score. We have that. He was such a better defender than Alan Griffin throughout the season. I'm surprised, and I know it's speculation here, was there anything in that meeting to end the year with Jim Beheim regarding next season where Braswell said, you know what, I'm out, I'm going to go somewhere else. Okay, so you remember how I said that we don't have an inside scoop to offer you? Right. Here's my inside scoop. Okay. Okay. I spoke with Robert Braswell's high school coach months ago Mm -hmm. at this point, earlier in the season, and he told me, if you remember, there was a rumor that Braswell was going to transfer before last year. Yeah, Yeah. And he decided not to. He pulled out of the borderline portal. I don't think he ever actually entered the portal, but he was close. He pulled out, and it was because Alan Griffin, the assistant coach, 
talk to the high school coach, who, by the way, for people that don't know, high school coaches are basically college players' agents, right? right? Yeah. So talk to the high school coach and said, look, we know that Robert's a little frustrated with his role or lack thereof. Give it one more year. And if it doesn't get better, then he can move on. Then we want him to move on, Mm -hmm. right? But it did get better. Yeah. It it got a lot better, right? And he was playing, and he was hitting some – Big shots and some big moments. You think back to the San Diego State game. He had a huge shot. Or was it West Virginia? I think it was West Virginia, Virginia. which would make more sense based on the scoring margin. So he had a big shot in the West Virginia game. They probably don't win that game without him. And and now he's a guy that is competing for the starting role, according to you, with Alan Griffin, who's star crown jewel transfer from Illinois. And so, to me, it was as good as it has ever been for Robert Braswell on the Hill, would ever be. And it's a weird time to transfer, so it didn't make much sense to me. Yeah, the only uh, the only thing I could potentially think was, all right, you want to do the same thing as Kadari Richmond, where you maybe kind of want to be a star somewhere, but that's not really Robert Braswell's no. game. He's much more of a, a defense. It's not his player. personality either. No, so it, interesting decision to transfer. We'll see where he lands. But, Brad, look, when we come back, Syracuse with a major pickup in the 2022 recruiting class. We'll get into all that on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein. And Brad, in the last segment, we talked about all these transfers. A lot of players coming in and out of Syracuse of the Syracuse program, particularly out a few big names that could have been huge factors in the coming seasons. But Syracuse did just land a five-star, according to ESPN 2022 recruit, Kamari Lands. This is a recruiting class after landing Benny Williams, who's already signed to the Orange I'm a little bit surprised. This seems I'm to come shocked. out of the blue. I'm dumbfounded. I think that's the second time I used that word yeah. in this uh, in this show, by the way. Yeah, I can't believe it. It doesn't make any sense, right? And we were just talking before the show, we were talking off air about how, first of all, it makes no sense in that everyone seems to be leaving. And I don't have an inside scoop. I made that very clear. But I was kind of hinting maybe there's something we don't know about, an overarching motif about why everyone's leaving the team. Mm-hmm. Something behind the scenes, maybe Jim Beheim. Who knows, right? right? And all of a sudden, Kamari lands is just cool with it. He's like, "Oh yeah, everyone's leaving. I'm there, right?" And <laughs> maybe that's why he's going. Who knows? Uh, yeah. I, again, I don't know. But Kamari, La- hey, Syracuse fans will take it, right? It, it is bizarre. It, it's very bizarre. And Kamari lands like you're just landing these highly, highly recruited wings two years in a row. It, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And you're saying. I don't know why you would come to Syracuse I, right Okay, now. yeah, so that's what, another thing we were talking about is that uh, it's been well documented. I've been a, a longtime Syracuse yes. supporter. Going on the record, if I'm a top recruit, there's no way I'm going to Syracuse. None. And it's in part because of the zone. It's in part because of the weather, if we're yeah. being brutally honest. And it's also because of other schools' track records of churning out pros. Yeah. Right? It's just very simple. A different school is more likely to turn you pro, NBA, statistically speaking. I mean, right? look at the past recruiting class. Kadari Richmond and Woody Newton just oh, left. Oh, yeah. They, they're gone. And yeah. it's, it's a business decision. And it makes sense in a way. I'm still surprised by it, but it makes sense. Uh, and I, I just can't <laughs> believe it. I can't, I can't believe Kamari Lance wants to go to Syracuse 19th on ESPN's list. 
by the way, it seems like he's going to fit in really well in the two-three zone. Six foot seven, one eighty, long, rather long wing on the on the side of the zone, and who knows who he's playing with on the opposite wing at that point? Probably Benny Williams if he stays. Right. Now Syracuse fans don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway because what what happens is when you listen to talk radio, you listen for it for the stuff you really want to hear or for the stuff you really don't. Right. Okay. It's still pretty early. Like he could decommit. <laughs> well, I so he could just be Dr. Johnson again. Benny Williams or no Kamari Kamari, Lance. because Benny Williams is signed. He's coming. Kamari he's Lance signed. Yes. He, yeah, it's kind of early, right? He, he could. He could. He could. He, <laughs> he very totally well could. could. Benny Williams could also stay one year, and if he's great, see ya. I'm off yeah. to the pros. And that would be that would be a, a huge development mm-hmm. too. And you have to wonder how that would affect Kamari Lenz in, in any way, shape, or form. I don't know. I will say this, going back to our conversation earlier, just for a brief moment, I was saying, yeah, okay, if for whatever reason Benny Williams had not signed on the on the dotted line, he was a verbal, and he saw all these transfers, guarantee he would leave. I mean, just I would if I were Benny Williams, right? I'd be scared. So Wh- you, you inst- okay, so you're taking the viewpoint that you see these transfers, you're out, instead of saying, hmm, all these guys are yes. leaving, I have a lot less to compete yes, with. Yes, because if I'm Benny Williams or even Kamari Lands or any other recruit, that Syracuse is targeting, mainly a guy like Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, power forward, five-star, fourth on ESPN's yeah. list, Kamari Lands 19th, right? Yeah. There's been some buzz on Orange Fizz about Huntley-Hatfield to I'm Syracuse. Yeah. So if I'm any of those guys, I'm looking at all the transfers and saying, okay, obviously there's something going on in the team. They know something about the coaching staff, the program, the climate, anything the dinosaur barbecue, something that I don't. And I have to read the the signs that are presented the, the to me. The tea leaves. Oh, thank you. I was actually yeah. looking for that expression. Yeah. Um, I think you're more concerned about the transfers and what that means for the state of the program than I am. Because I yeah. take the viewpoint, this is just going to be part of college basketball from here on out. But you mentioned Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. By the way, you can see a lot of coverage we've had of him on orangefizz.net. Number four in the country, power forward, six foot nine, two hundred fifteen pounder. If he did commit to Syracuse, he's he's. It seems like Syracuse is in his top three alongside Ole Miss and Tennessee. Now, bear in mind he's from Clarksville, Tennessee, so yeah. those are a bit closer to him. This twenty twenty two class could be tremendous because you're looking at Huntley Hatfield. Maybe he's he's not a Syracuse lean. If anything, he's more of an Ole Miss or Tennessee lean at this point. But you're still in the conversation. You've just landed Kamari Lance. You're still in it for Zion Cruz. Yeah. I know we originally had this class shaped up around Dior Johnson, but it seems like, hey, man, you're landing a lot of wings, and you could have a really solid, lengthy defense in a couple of years. Yeah, and just for reference, I know all the Syracuse fans listening to this still have a bitter taste in their mouth about Dior Johnson. Kamari Lenz, 19th on ESPN's list, Johnson at 15th. So in theory, not that big a drop-off. In theory, right? And you're right, this could be a stacked class. Now, will it be? Probably not, right? You're talking about Zion Cruz and where he's leaning. It's not towards Syracuse now in that his recruitment was centered around Dior Johnson. That's not happening. And you talk about Huntley Hatfield makes so much more sense for Tennessee. So do I think it's going to be an absolutely stacked class? No, but I don't think it has to be. If you land one Kamari lands, one four- or five-star recruit, I think that's enough, especially because... I mean, personally, I don't think Benny Williams is going to be a one-and-done player. He could be. I have not seen him play at the collegiate level, so it's almost 
uh, a half-hearted statement on my part. I'd be surprised as of now if you told me that Benny Williams is going to be a one-and-done player. So I expect Kamari Lance, if he plays for Syracuse, to play with Benny Williams. So for that reason, it doesn't have to be an absolutely stacked class where you can just reshape the starting five around that 2022 group. It doesn't have to be. No, you're right. I mean, look, Benny Williams is listed six foot eight at power forward. Kamari Lance, a small forward. I don't know, Brett. Like, I'm just thinking here, and I'm, I'm picturing this. I don't think Buddy Beheim's going pro after his senior year. No. He's got another year of eligibility to year. stick around if, if he there wants was to. Any other, if there was a player that would stay, it would be Buddy Beheim. It would make sense. And, yeah, I, I guess. I think something that I really wanted to talk about going into this was uh, we're both surprised, and, and I think anyone listening to this is surprised, but this has to be a good omen, right? If, if nothing else, this is comforting. This is something that will rock Syracuse fans to sleep night in and night out, is that, yeah, it's a little concerning that the transfers are going. It's a little concerning that there seems to be a problem in the program. But for whatever reason, you're still reeling in these big-time recruits, like you mentioned about seven minutes ago. Yeah. It's, it's honestly pretty impressive of how well Syracuse is recruiting, considering... Jim Beheim's age, considering you're playing a 2-3 zone, which nobody plays in the NBA, that you just landed a high 4-star, borderline 5-star, that's signed, he's going to be here, Benny Williams, and you just landed a 5-star, according to ESPN, Kamari Lance. So, Syracuse, they, they keep doing it. They keep bringing in these wing prospects. It'll be really intriguing to see what happens. Real quick. Yeah. We both agree that we wouldn't go to Syracuse if we were big-time recruits. Not a shot. Where do you go? Probably Duke at this point. I was going to say you Kentucky. You almost said Kentucky. I did. At they won this like point, five games last year. I know. But, like, <laughs> I still trust Calipari's track record. You look at the NBA. You look at the stars. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, you got Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, small school guys. And I was like, all right, well, let me think of the superstars. Anthony Davis, Kentucky. John Wall, Kentucky. Carl Anthony Towns, Kentucky. Yeah. All these guys. Like, Duke's got some. Don't get me wrong. Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum. But Kentucky's got a bunch. At this point in time, though, Duke's, Duke's doing, a little, doing a little bit better. Duke is a bit of a different tier, though. Mm-hmm. And not all of the four or five stars are offered Duke. So I have to ask, right. if not Duke, which other ACC school are you looking at? Just out of raw curiosity. See, what's an interesting one right now is I'm, I'm, I wouldn't choose them. I'd be very curious to see what UNC's got to offer without oh, Roy wow. Williams anymore. Yeah. Wow. Um, if I'm trying to go one and done, probably Louisville. I'd probably go with Chris Mack. I wow. think that's, that's a pretty safe bet. I'm surprised. I-, I thought you were going to take Florida State after Patrick Williams went one and done off the bench. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The thing is, I'm still thinking of Fourth Florida. overall pick. Right. I still think of Florida State as this, you know, you stay three or four years. I know. That's changing That's changing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The whole college landscape is changing. Syracuse is changing. A lot of turnover. A lot of guys, like we mentioned all show, coming in, coming out. A lot of questions to get to, Brad. And when we come back, we're going to answer some of your questions, Fizz Nation. It's Fizz Feedback. Stick with us. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Wrapping it up here on Fizz Radio on The Score 1260, Thomas Schultz joined alongside by Brad Klein. And, Brad, we've got three Fizz Feedback questions today from our listeners, Fizz Nation What's our first one to start us off? All right, so we mentioned that Syracuse is having a lot of roster turnover this year. Dolajai gone. Garrier into the draft, mm-hmm. potentially. Will he come back? Who knows? 
The question is, who is SU's secondary scorer next season, with the assumption that it's probably Buddy Bayheim as the leading scorer. So, is it Alan Griffin, Joe Girard, Quincy Garrier, or other? I will say that 22% of the people were not happy with your top three options, but 48% said it'd be Quincy Garrier. And it's an interesting pick. I do think he will come back to Syracuse for another season. It makes sense. He, it makes sense that he entered the, the draft, by the way, because the draft rules right now are just so liberal that you could do whatever you want. You can even hire an agent yeah. and still go back to college. So there's no reason to not enter the draft. Honestly, if I were a college player, I think I would enter every year, every single wow. year. If I were Joe Girard, I would enter. That is that's a cocky attitude you got. I mean, no, it's I not. No, it. it's not. It's not a cocky attitude at all. You have absolutely nothing to lose. And you go into that experience thinking, okay, there is a 0% chance I get drafted, but here's what I get. Draft workouts, get a feel for the process, gauge the agents that are interested in my game. And by the way, you can start shopping yourself to agents early on. It just makes sense. There's literally no reason not to do it. So, that's just me. Quincy Garrier will likely be coming back. He'd be my vote. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think he's the guy because, look, he showed it at the beginning of the year, then he tapered off down the stretch. But he was at a point, Syracuse's leading scorer, averaging about 16 points per game. He was the star earlier in the season, the MVP until Buddy Beheim took over. He seems like the guy, and just off of your point a little bit, like, fans get a little bit nervous whenever a guy enters the, poten- enters the draft discussion and, and puts his name in the hat, so to speak. We've seen this time and time again. Ty's battle came back. Oh, yeah. Some guys leave. O'Shea Brissett left, but you never know. Quincy Garrier, he, the thing is, he can come back and he can potentially improve his three-point shot. Now, here's the one thing, though. I think guys like Malachi Richardson, like O'Shea Brissett, took advantage of having that potential and being a year younger and saying, well, this is one of my stock's highest. I don't know if I'm going to improve my three. Ty's battle came back and he stayed a year too long because he didn't yeah. improve that shot. That's the only worry I would have with Quincy Garrier leaving that being said i still do believe he comes back and i believe he's syracuse's secondary scorer to buddy Bayheim next year the other thing about gary a honestly if i were gary a and syracuse fans don't want to hear this i would probably come back because come back to college because there's nothing for him in the nba right now mm-hmm. but i'd transfer <laughs> you don't like it but that's what i would do i would not come back to syracuse because you're probably right. The reason he wouldn't be taken high in the draft is because of the three-point shot. Right. You're not going to improve your three-point shot immensely at Syracuse because the Orange need you in the low post. So that, that that would be interesting. A lot of the comments on the other section were Benny Williams. We don't know what he's going to be, so who knows? Yeah. We know that Syracuse is getting Barama Sidibe back, though. And the next Fizz feedback, how big of an impact Will Barama Sidibe have next season? He rarely plays once again, like we saw him this year. Five points and five rebounds a game, or ten and eight, something like that. What do you think Fizz Nation said here? I am going to say Fizz Nation is pessimistic, and they think Barama Sidibe is riddled with injuries once again. Kinda. Yeah, 34%. It was actually pretty split. 34, 38, and 26 amongst the three options given. By the way, 20, or rather 26, 26% of Fizz Nation saying 10 and 8 so for Barama Sidibe. That's peak Barama Sidibe. It, it is. Come on. But, look, all of last offseason we had this conversation, we had these articles posted on OrangeFizz.net. Is Barama Sidibe turning the corner? Is he going to be the guy next year? We, we still don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to say, I'm going to say he's going to be, I'm not even going to pick one. I'm going to say he's going to be between that 10 and 8 and 5 and 5. I think he's going to give you 
like seven eight and, and six. seven. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, which is a good player, but you know, not that good not enough. That ten and eight. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, not many people ecstatic about Barama no, Sidibe coming back. Yeah. All right, so last one. Marek Dolajai leaves. Who starts at power forward next season? Is it Quincy Garrier, Benny Williams, Cole Swider, or other? Not much action on other. This is an interesting one because this is one that we know the least about, right? Like Quincy Garrier, like you were saying earlier, could leave. He could go pro. Benny Williams... He's listed as a small forward. He's big enough to slide into that power forward role. We've seen plenty, Marek Dolajai being the most recent, of smaller, at, at least guys who are thinner playing that down post position. I want to just go through the lineup a little bit with you here, Brad. Joe Girard's point. Buddies, shooting guard. Alan Griffin, small forward. I still yeah. I still think it's I think it's going to be Quincy at power forward and then Jesse Edwards slash Barama CDB. So are five? you just not starting Benny Williams? I, again, we don't know what he's going to be, and, and Jim Beheim typically starts the season. I would not be shocked. In fact, I would be shocked if this didn't happen. If Benny Williams started on the bench, I would be I would not be shocked at all. That being said, I'd be relatively surprised if he did not play his way into the starting lineup. For two reasons. One, I think he's going to be good, and two, you see, you saw what happened when you did not start the freshman when he probably should have been starting. Right. You're going to lose him to yeah. Seton Hall. I think he's going to start on the bench, just like we saw this past season. And I don't think Jim Beheim's going to necessarily learn his lesson yet. Another thing that I think happens is, look, O'Shea Brissett and Elijah Hughes have said many times on Twitter that first few practices of trying to learn the zone, it's just discombobulating. You don't know what's going on. That's going to be the case with Benny Williams because it is for everybody. Alan Griffin's not a good defender, don't get me wrong. When he's active, he is, but what is that, 15 20% of the time? Yeah. I think he's going to start the season at small forward. Alan Griffin, that is. I am concerned that Jim Beheim kind of relies on Alan Griffin a little bit too long. I'm less concerned than when he did it with Joe this past year because we've seen Alan Griffin as the shortest leash of anybody on the team. Rightfully but, so, by the way. Right. And so, Benny Williams, I think he maybe takes over. I don't even think he takes over before conference play begins. I think it's kind of first third of conference play he he enters that starting lineup. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, right now, the way I see it is that Alan Griffin does not deserve a very long leash for Syracuse, and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts opening day as the small forward, but Benny Williams eventually, because again, Alan Griffin only has a spot in the lineup if he's making his shots. And if he right. is the same player that he was in March Madness, then it's going to take, what, three games for him to lose his starting job? I don't think his leash as the starter is very long, let alone his leash on the floor in any given game. Yeah, it's going to be really weird because, I mean, before all the transfers like we were talking about earlier, I thought Robert Braswell was probably going to be the guy to get that starting nod just based on what we saw at the end of the season with him gone. It's either Alan Griffin or Benny Williams. And yeah. Alan Griffin was struggling with the zone in his first year. He'll be entering year two. Benny, year one, never played it before, never played college ball before. There's a lot of unknowns. All right, Thomas. We're coming down on the closing seconds of your Fizz Radio career here. We are. This is the are. final Fizz Radio of Thomas Schultz's career. 45 seconds, closing thoughts. I mean, I just want to say, man, working for Orange Fizz, being on Fizz Radio every few weeks been an absolute blast an absolute pleasure covering Syracuse and being in these given these opportunities in these moments being on the sidelines 
before COVID, being in the locker room of the of the basketball games, it's just an opportunity that was fantastic, and I uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade a partner for the world. You're my first oh, Fizz you. Radio partner, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a problem. I'm gonna have to get accustomed to a new guy. Yeah, you'll, have, you'll have a new one. Uh-huh. Luckily, you'll have three weeks to prepare. That'll do it for us here on Fizz Radio. For one last time, he's Brad Klein. I'm Thomas Schultz. This has been Fizz Radio on the Score 1260.